everyone, and welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast, presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I'm Dan Scogan, your host for the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Guests on the program shed light on innovations in value-added agriculture, highlight important voices and work that's being done throughout the Minnesota ag sector, and educate the public about resources and organizations that support Minnesota agriculture. Today, we welcome to the Egg Innovation News Podcast, Mike Jensen, Director of Clean Fuels Project Management Office from XL Energy, and AURI Senior Director of Science and Technology, Luca Zullo, as they discuss the new hydrogen hub that's being planned for the upper Midwest. Luca, welcome to this edition of the Egg Innovation News Podcast. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, Mike, for accepting being here today and talking about this important initiative. Mike, could you give me some background of you and your work at Excel Energy? Thanks, Luca, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about the Hydrogen Hub. So I've been at Excel Energy for over 16 years. I spent a lot of my career in our electric transmission area, working with substation and transmission line design and standards, and really kind of summing that up to project execution, whether that was in direct relation to transmission line expansion for wind development or other system expansions, things like that. But for the last couple of years, I have been a part of a brand new group within XL Energy called Clean Fuels, where our focus is really our long-term energy transition and decarbonization goals and focused around bringing the production of and use of clean fuels like hydrogen, renewable natural gas, and, and many other potential ones out there for XL Energy and its customers. My first question is really related to uh, your activity in hydrogen. Obviously, the hydrogen economy is receiving a lot of press uh, lately. The federal government has, be, has done a lot of new policies to incentivize the production of hydrogen. And one news that locally got a lot of attention is a major investment from the federal government to develop uh, what is called the Heartland Hydrogen Hub, which we understand Excel Energy is a key component. Could you describe it and how it came into being? Really where it came to be was prior to the, the federal government's funding and initiations around hydrogen, and that comes to XL Energy and our goals for decarbonization. We were one of the first utilities in the nation to announce a 100% carbon-free goal by 2050 on our electric system, as well as a 100% net zero goal by 2050 on our gas system, as well as several initiatives around clean transportation as well. And so as we've worked to develop the plans for those goals, we have plans to meet 2030 goals of 80% carbon-free energy on our electric system and 25% reductions on our gas system. But it's that last mile from 2030 to 2050 to get from that 80% to 100% that we're still really working on and trying to find what our, what our final solutions are. And that's where hydrogen comes into play. We have looked to see hydrogen as having a lot of potential to really have an impact on that last mile of energy transition. And so as we were developing plans of how we could potentially get into the hydrogen space, we were talking with other partners outside of the company and the hydrogen hub opportunity came forward the puzzle pieces kind of fit into place really well. And so the Hydrogen Hub, as you mentioned, is a collaborative effort between Xcel Energy, EERC, the Environmental and Energy Research Center out of the University of North Dakota, as well as Marathon Oil and TC Energy. Those are the main partners of the Heartland Hydrogen Hub. So what I'll talk about today is really just Xcel Energy's scope within the Heartland Hydrogen Hub that takes place primarily within our Minnesota and South Dakota service territories. And we break in that down into two main parts, or what we refer to in our hydrogen hub application as nodes. 
The first node is focused around wind to fertilizer, where we use congested wind resources, where we're producing a lot of what at times on the system is excess wind energy that has a hard time finding a home. And so we can use that energy to make zero carbon hydrogen, which then is offtake. We sell that to a partner within the agricultural industry and an ethanol producer who converts that hydrogen into ammonia and then takes it one more step further by capturing the CO2 emissions from the ethanol production. They combine that CO2 and now green ammonia to make a urea fertilizer for local Minnesota agriculture. And that's a model that we're really excited about, really excited to be a part of and to be able to partner with the ag industry in Minnesota. The second node of our hydrogen hub is what we refer to as the clean energy node, where we utilize our expansive portfolio of wind, solar, and nuclear energy assets to produce hydrogen within the state of Minnesota for a couple of different offtakes. The first off would be using hydrogen blending with our natural gas fuel supply for our power generation, so we can displace natural gas as we blend in hydrogen in order to decarbonize our electric system. We can do a similar thing where we blend hydrogen into the natural gas fuel supply in our gas distribution systems. And then thirdly, kind of a larger bucket of industrial offtake, and there's a lot of different possibilities there. Xcel Energy is also a part of a coalition referred to as the Minnesota SAF Hub, SAF standing for Sustainable Aviation Fuel. And that's a partnership between Greater MSP, Delta Airlines, Ecolab, Cargill, and Xcel Energy, where those companies were working together to try to find a way to build a system and supply chain to deliver sustainable aviation fuel to the airline industry. Other industrial offtakes potentially are hard to reach in specific industrial customers, steel production, petroleum refinery. Those are just some of the other options for that industrial category. Obviously, when you talk about ammonia, you raise our interest. We're very keen of the importance of ammonia and nitrogen fertilizer, which are based on hydrogen for the agricultural system of the Midwest and in general of the U.S. and how dependent our constituency in having reliable supply of also cleaner fertilizers, especially when we go from the point of view of reliability, has been less than desirable in the last couple of years. And so we really welcome the fact that people are thinking about this type of new production to make our ecosystem more, more stable. But I also see that it's a large industrial project that we require a lot of infrastructure and new logistic concepts. And the Midwest is very spread, some of these users and also very spread. How is the hub planning to establish and maintain the necessary infrastructure for this hub, especially considering that we have unique logistical challenges, distance, putting together different type of material together? Can you share insight on the transportation, storage, and distribution mechanism for hydrogen and hydrogen-derived product in the region? That's a really important question. One of the big questions when we start talking about hydrogen, because there isn't a large interconnected infrastructure of hydrogen today, that makes a sort of a day one challenge for us as, as we put together these plans for the hydrogen hubs. The hub covers over 10 years of time. And so it's something that we're going to be growing into with phase build outs. And so the storage and delivery methods are likely going to change over time. In the early days of the hub, we're going to be utilizing truck transportation, perhaps looking into rail transportation. At the same time, as we're ramping up the production and matching that to offtake, we're going to find what are the most economic and optimal ways to get that hydrogen to the location. And, and exactly what that is, again, whether it is from gaseous hydrogen, liquid hydrogen, 
potentially pipelines. In our hydrogen hub application, we do not have any specific plans for pipeline, more so knowing the need for larger scale infrastructures there in the future. But the first things we're going to be doing is more focused installations. Like our wind fertilizer application, we don't have to do a lot of hydrogen transportation. We have the ammonia synthesis direct co-located with the hydrogen production. So that way we can flow that hydrogen directly into ammonia synthesis because ammonia transportation and storage is a very established infrastructure, much more straightforward and, and easier to do. And so in some of those early days projects, we're going to focus on optimizing things like that as much as we can and as well as studying and working with other partners to see what does the larger scale future hold for us. Since you touched about fertilizer production and making ammonia with hydrogen, could you comment on any technology and processes that you are looking at employing, in particular with regard to fertilizer production, but also other potential application? And um, how does the app will contribute to the technological advancement of the hydrogen industry and to create also a new workforce and to contributing to the economic development of our rural regions. In terms of the ammonia production and the, the, the technologies or process, it's really more about the process that we're utilizing and this hydrogen to ammonia to urea process. It's not very new. In the, the University of Minnesota at the, uh, the West Central Center for Renewable Research out of Morris, Minnesota, they have a demonstration of, of this process that they've been doing for several years, doing wind through electrolysis to ammonia. What we're trying to do is bring it up in a much larger scale to show that it can be impactful for the local agricultural sector. When we talk about hydrogen production, we are focused on electrolysis, which is utilizing a feedstock of electricity and water. And that electricity through the electrolyzer will split that water into its hydrogen and oxygen parts. So then we have that hydrogen. The vast majority of hydrogen produced today for the production of ammonia is using natural gas with the process of steam methane reformation, and that has a carbon footprint. And so, again, we're focused on electrolysis for a zero carbon footprint when we're using the renewable energy. And so right there, while that's not necessarily a brand new technology, it's a new use for getting that ammonia and having a lower zero carbon footprint behind us. And then the combination of an ethanol partner, having them capture their what would otherwise be emitted CO2, capturing that CO2 and combining it with the ammonia to make urea fertilizer. One, again, we've got that local source of fertilizer. And two, we've, we've enabled the decarbonization of another partner within the agricultural sector. And so that's a place that we're really excited for. I think the other thing that you had touched on was workforce. As we are building up this new economy uh, around hydrogen, connecting to agriculture, as well as all that other industrial. At the same time, as I mentioned before, we're going through an energy transition and doing a lot of change. We have a lot of skilled workforce within the energy sector. And so part of our hydrogen hub application and plans are around workforce education and training, where we're going to be working with our labor partners and communities to help train and educate already skilled workforce in just some of these new processes and technologies. I wanted to have a bit of segue on what you mentioned right now about the ethanol collaboration with the ethanol plant. This is something that excites us a lot. We are a big fan of our ethanol industry. We believe it adds a lot of value to agriculture, and those plants are good economic engines for the counties and the cities where they are. And when you talk about this collaboration, so if I understand it correctly, and if you can comment a bit more, 
So you're going to produce hydrogen and this hydrogen is going to be delivered to the ethanol plants and basically the production of green fertilizer is going to be something additional to the existing uh, production of ethanol. Is that the way that you envisage this happening? Yeah, that's correct. So we produce the hydrogen and we offtake it to the ethanol provider who, again, converts that hydrogen into ammonia and then they bring the ammonia to their ethanol plant. Their ethanol production doesn't change. That's still producing ethanol. But within the ethanol production process, there's CO2 is, is emitted. I'm not an ethanol expert, so I can't go too far into those details. But that CO2 that they would normally emit, they capture. And so right there, they're going to be lowering their carbon footprint by capturing that CO2. And then when we utilize that, combining that CO2 with the ammonia to make the urea, we've been able to use what is otherwise an unused byproduct. And I think that will add tremendous value to the ethanol plants. An interesting component here, because uh, basically now that corn that is processed into a fuel is going to be raised, grown, and using locally produced fertilizer versus fertilizer that is imported. Today, Minnesota does not produce any ammonia or, for that matter, any nitrogen fertilizer, despite being a larger consumer. So obviously, there's going to be a virtuous cycle of, of local economic development beside what you mentioned in terms of uh, reducing the overall carbon intensity of our production, which leads to a question on the economics. Could you discuss the financial aspect of this project? Obviously, there is this large infusion of uh, federal money that is seen as a catalyst to basically kickstart this industry. How, do, how does the hub plan to ensure its financial sustainability in the long term after the initial federal funding? Was this the plan for additional private investment now and in the future and to bring more partner, private partners to the table. What you just described in, in terms of the, the goal for, for long-term sustainability is one of the foundational goals of the hubs and of the federal government. These hydrogen hubs are specifically meant to be commercially viable production and offtake plans. They don't want them to be research and development. And so part of our application and our plans are to do just what you described is to be there for beyond just the federal funding. And so our application is describing how we would establish ourselves and be there for the long term. One of the ways we do that is establishing long-term connections, long-term agreements, whether that is with our hydrogen offtake to our ethanol partner or whether that's to other industrial partners, we look for the long-term application. In terms of the hydrogen production that XL Energy is looking to build, those would be assets for XL Energy that we look to use on a long-term. As an energy company, we are looking to provide energy to our customers, and we're changing where that energy comes from. But we're not going away, and our customers aren't going away, and their energy needs aren't going away. And so this is, again, we see as a long-term potential to bring us to those 2050 and beyond goals. And Luca, I know that you have some more questions for Mike, but I just want to interject. Interesting conversation that I'm listening to today. Do you see the day coming when agriculture is decarbonized? I think so. I, I think that's the goal for all of us is, is to decarbonize ourselves. And right now, I can speak for XL Energy, getting ourselves to an 80% an or even more than that place. We've got plans in place and things happening where we're going to do that. And it's that last mile that's always the hardest. And I think we will see that for other industries like agriculture and industry, industrial groups. There's a certain amount of effort that we can do and make some big changes to decarbonize ourselves most of the way. And then we've got to really work together to find those, those last mile solutions to get us the rest of the way. And that's going to be a big challenge. 
And I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to the Egg Innovation News Podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. Our guests today are Mike Jensen, Director of Clean Fuels Project Management Office from XL Energy and AURI Senior Director of Science and Technology, Luca Zulo. Luca, I'll uh, give it back to you. Thanks, Dan. Mike, I have a question or more of a general comment. Obviously, industry uses a lot of potentially dangerous substances, but when you're talking to the lay public, if someone does a quick search about hydrogen, one of the first things that pop up is the Indenburg coming down in flame. Never mind that actually people were killed by the diesel fuel from the tanks that ruptured, <laughs> not by the hydrogen per se, but that's unfortunately created a bit of an image problem for hydrogen. And while it's absolutely necessary, there is still people that are a bit worried about a gas that potentially is dangerous, is very flammable, and is also not particularly uh, not difficult, but certainly requires some caution in handling. Could you comment about safety and regulation, how you're going to work towards having safety protocols that make people in the community impacted by the hub comfortable about, what's, uh, about this development? That's a really important one. Safety is the number one value at Xcel Energy in everything that we do. And what do we do today? We already work with many potentially hazardous materials and equipment. We operate two nuclear plants. We have a large infrastructure of natural gas. So we, we are very experienced today in working with potential hazards. Hydrogen has its own characteristics that make it a little different from the things that we work with today. But at the same time, we can still apply all of our values and our practices and methodologies for safety to hydrogen. And that's what we will do. There's always going to be state and federal rules that we adhere to, but we go beyond that to make sure that both our workers and our communities are safe. And a big part of that is, and 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 you mentioned an important thing with hydrogen, is it does have a bit of a, a PR problem. And where we come in or what we try to do in that kind of thing is listen and communicate with our stakeholders, whether that's our commissions, our shareholders, our communities and customers that we work with and talk about not just what it is and what it's doing for us, but also how we are keeping our workers and our customers safe. I have a last question, and it's really a bit of a segue to this one on the safety, and it's on the environmental impact. Of course, you know, producing electrolytic hydrogen with renewable power has zero carbon footprint, but every activity has some however limited impact. And I know that when it comes to hydrogen, there's been concerns raised about the potential water demand on, uh, on the production of hydrogen by electrolysis. Certainly, we are not in a water-stressed region, at least not to this extent, but I heard that there were those considerations were foremost for some potential project in places like the Southwest. Could you comment about that and what is the reality about the water impact and if, is that really a concern or in general for our region? I think we always need to be concerned and be very deliberate when we start talking about natural resources and water especially. Now, in Minnesota and the Midwest, we are we are certainly fortunate to have pretty pretty abundant sources of water, but that doesn't mean they're unlimited. Now, when you talk about electrolysis, generally speaking, or a rule of thumb that we utilize is it takes about 2.4 gallons of water to produce a kilogram of hydrogen. So in our wind to fertilizer application, on a yearly basis, we're not using any more water than a standard golf course might use. I would categorize that as not a lot, 
However, it is something, again, that we need to be deliberate about when we cite where we're going to produce hydrogen so that we make sure we have not just a source of water, but a, an appropriate source of water, meaning that we're not going to have any other adverse effects on the local area and community in terms of using that water. So that's that's definitely an important piece that we look into. And you're absolutely right. There are some areas, and even within our own service territory down in the Southwest, where water is a very big concern. And so that's something that we're continually talking about. Electrolysis is a process that utilizes and consumes that water. There isn't a lot of any type of waste streams or anything like that, but it is something where in other processes, they might use the water, clean it, and put it back into a system, but we're consuming it, and so we're not putting any water back in. Again, it's, it's a part that we have to look into very closely, and it's why we're talking about Minnesota, because again, it, it is one of the resources that we have the benefit of access to. It would be worthwhile to notice that obviously when you use the hydrogen, especially if you burn it, eventually the water comes back, but somewhere else. So it's not exactly a, a local balance. I have a last question before letting you go, and I really appreciate your time and your patience in answering all these questions. And it's really about something you touched at the beginning, which is sustainable aviation fuel. We are very interested about the development of this industry because at the end of the day is important for our agricultural basis. Sustainable aviation fuel, we need things like more vegetable oils or ethanol to be produced. Could you comment a bit about the role of hydrogen in the sustainable aviation fuel industry? Kind of going back to when we talked about the infrastructure and the truck and trans the transportation of hydrogen. And as I said, that remains to be a really big challenge. Hydrogen in the gaseous form takes up three times the volume of, say, natural gas. And so to move it around is a challenge, and it's an economic challenge. And so one big piece that we're looking for is what's the best use for that green hydrogen, either in direct application or taking it that step further, like we're doing in our wind to, wind to ammonia system and converting that hydrogen into something else. And so there's a very large growing segment within the hydrogen space investigating e-fuels. And those are various hydrocarbon fuels like your sustainable aviation fuel, synthetic methane, methanol, where you can produce those different fuels with the foundation of hydrogen. And again, if we're using green hydrogen, as well as a source of CO2, we can produce those different types of fuels. Now we're going to be coming to the table with those fuels as having a very low carbon footprint, as opposed to fossil fuels coming out of the ground. And that could be a, a more economic use of our green hydrogen, taking out some of the expensive transportation or storage aspects of the hydrogen directly, converting it to a sustainable aviation fuel that can be look much more like a drop-in ready fuel, as well as something that is transported and delivered around the country today. Now, this was enlightening, and I thank you for your time and eagerness in giving us this uh, overview of the Agile Hub. And again, really grateful for your time. And this was uh, very fascinating for our listener. And well, I expect to follow up uh, in the next few years, and we look how this develops. Uh, as far as uh, our shareholder stakeholders sorry, are concerned, I think uh, they're very eager to start using this green fertilizer and provide feedstock to a clean fuel industry. Personally, I think the idea of having Things like sustainable fuel and green gasoline is out of CO2 and hydrogen is very exciting. I'm a bit of a gearhead, and while I think electric cars are, are, are fun and I own one, I think there is something about the sound of a V8 in a <laughs> race track. So it would be nice to do that without feeling guilty.
This is a very exciting time for us and helping with that energy transition. So very excited and happy that I was able to talk with you, Luca and Dan today. Thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to talking more about the Hydrogen Hub as, as the years progress. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Luca. Something that's old has become new again as the Hydrogen Hubs start being planned around the upper Midwest. We've been visiting with Luca Zulo from AURI and Mike Jensen from XL Energy today. I want to thank them for being our guests and thank you for joining us and listening to the Ag Innovation News Podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I want to thank my podcast crew of one, Lisa Martinez, AURI Communications Manager and editor of this production. To learn more about AURI, visit us at auri.org.